Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to Memorial United Methodist. I'm grateful that you're here today. My name is Joe Kate. I'm the minister here. Um, if you are a visitor today, we're so grateful to have you. I'll tell you that we have a restroom in the back, and you can see through the service and hear the service from the back. But if you have a child that makes a little noise, um, we like having children that make noise in this service. Uh, so don't worry about it. Um, we have a number of good things, so I'm going to go very quickly. Um, the good news for the week is that, um, y'all remember, uh, we used to have a playground in the back? And then we moved the playground to the front, and then the back was just grass. Um, now there is a really nice playground for little guys for the CEP in the back. And that's due to uh, scouts who helped us, trustees who helped us, uh, teachers. Uh, um, there's a couple other categories. Um, great people who gave us about four hours of their time, and it cost us next to nothing because the mulch was donated. Um, we're going to send them a, a note of thanks, and uh, I thank all of our leadership for being present there uh, to make that playground really beautiful. Uh, I mentioned last week that your facilities tell you, tell people how you feel about whatever their age is, and our facilities are really uh, saying a good thing about our children. Uh, mission and service, if you were not able to give to Epworth Children's Home last week, I encourage you to do it um, this week. If you're not, the, the, oh man, forgot again. Um, just come by the office and make sure that you uh, uh, give that check. Epworth is an amazing um, United Methodist entity in Columbia that helps children who do not have a, a happy home um, uh, get a chance, and they go to class, and they do the homework, and they have a place they can come home, and then rebuild their life. Um, if you can see, we've got all children on the front, and uh, Cindy Davis is going to explain why. If you'll come up and tell us about today and about what parents should do. Good morning. Our kids are going to sing for you this morning, and um, our elementary choir has two songs that they will sing, and the preschool choir just has one. So parents, when the preschool choir finishes their song, if you will stand so that they can find you and come to you when they are done, and then after the elementary school choir sings the second song in the anthem's place, if my elementary parents will do the same thing and stand so that your kiddos can come and find you. We really appreciate it. Thanks so much. Thank you, Cindy. <laughs> Children go to the library with Miss Beth today, and I'm going to tell you when they do that. They go with two adults, so they stay safe the whole time, and they come back to the service before the service is over. I'm going to turn it over to Miss Ellen Henson from the United Methodist Women. Good morning. Each year, the Memorial United Methodist Women honor two members, be it woman or man, of Memorial with a special recognition pin. This pin represents their outstanding achievements in service to Memorial as well as service in our community. Margaret and I are here this morning to honor two outstanding members. So I'm going to read you about the first one. And as I read, you can try to guess who he is. He was born in Spartanburg County and went through the public schools. His family owned a dairy farm and his days began at 3 o'clock a.m. with milking the cows and after school he came home for the 5 o'clock milking. He entered Clemson University to study agriculture to continue the family farm. Everything changed when the principal of Wade Hampton High School called and asked him to um, fill in for an agriculture class at the school. Being in a classroom changed his ideas about his future. 
Thus began a career in education which is, which is in his 48th year of working with young people. From Wade Hampton, he served at Eastside High School, 22 years at Riverside High School, and finally into career technology. He has always worked to provide courses to help students decide whether they would go to college or into the workplace. He has made numbers of friends along the way and is well respected by his peers and students. Choosing young people over the cows made a tremendous difference in his life. Wayne, would you come forward please? As he's... Coming forward, the UMW would also like to thank him for the last couple of years because he has filled in lots of staff positions. He has led the Staff Parish Relations Committee in bringing to Memorial wonderful youth leaders, musicians, and ministers. <laughs> so we appreciate it, Wayne. Thank you. And we have one more. At a young age, his parents sought out a new church. His mother being a Presbyterian and his father being a Methodist, they eventually tried Memorial. They immediately felt the warmth and love of Memorial and decided to make it their home church and um, has attended Memorial since that young age. After a year at North Greenville College, he decided to join the Air Force and went on to do a tour in Vietnam. After his tour in Vietnam, he finished up the Air Force at Myrtle Beach Air Force Base. After the Air Force, he went to work for his father in the wholesale business. And while there, he entered Greenville Tech to get a degree in machine tool technology. During this time, he enjoyed his hobby of playing drums with many local musicians, playing jazz, Dixieland, Southern rock, and blues. After graduating from Greenville Tech, he worked in machining. After that, he went into purchasing, and that eventually led into more than 20 years of machine tool sales. He was a member of the Greer Kiwanis and served as president for a year. In 2004, he was instrumental in helping put together the 9 a.m. praise service at Memorial. He has helped to serve in that service off and on as a drummer in the praise band. Since retirement, he has enjoyed serving the church with his time and talents. He currently is on the board of trustees and helping with the op operating of the sound system in the sanctuary. Jimmy? <laughs> These are two well-deserving men and give them your thanks for all they do for Memorial and the community. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Alan. Let's turn our hearts to the Lord.
Thank you, children. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for bringing us to this place, for drawing us together, for giving us amazing songs, prayers, scriptures that we can share with one another. And we ask that everything we do in this service may honor and glorify you and inspire us to your service. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Please stand as you're able as we sing Amazing Grace, number 378.
let us now affirm our faith with the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. And I invite the children forward for the children's sermon. Just keep coming. We love it when we have a lot of children. Come on. Good morning to all of you. It's not? Okay. Good morning to all of you. They weren't on. That's what I was worried about. Okay. All right. I want you to know that you just made us so happy when you all were singing. Did you look out there and see us all smiling and laughing? You put smiles on our faces because you were singing. Love to hear you sing. I think music is probably one of the greatest gifts that God has ever given to us. All kinds of music. And when God gives us a talent such as music, what are we supposed to do with that talent? Whether it's singing or playing the organ or piano or being a member of this beautiful choir or singing out here in the congregation, what are we supposed to do, Caroline? Share it with other people. That's exactly right. And that's what I want to talk about for just a few minutes. You all were sharing your talent of singing with all of us in this church, and it just made us so happy. There was a man over 250, 100 250 years ago, and his name was Johann Sebastian Bach, and he was a very talented music writer. He wrote hymns, he wrote classical music, and when he realized that he had a talent for doing that, he wanted to share it with people. He didn't want to just keep it for himself because he knew that God had blessed him with a really neat talent. So he wrote lots of music, and when he wrote it, he would sign his music 
um, up at the top where most musicians will find their music. And he put his name up there, but down at the bottom, he always put three letters. What are those letters? Say it out loud. SDG. And those letters stood for three words, sole, deo, gloria. You know what those words meant? To God be all the glory. Because God had blessed him with a talent, and he wanted to share it and give it back. And there's still lots of hymns in the hymnals today that are by Mr. Bach and that we still use today and sing. There are some people who come to church, not just, not this church, but other churches, and they never sing at all. And they'll say, oh, I can't sing. I, I just can't carry a tune in a bucket. But you know what God says? God said, you don't have to have a beautiful voice in order to sing. If you feel it in your heart, just open your mouth. And God says, make a joyful noise. And that's what you all were doing. Y'all were just making the joyful noise just ring out all through this church. And we love hearing you sing. Some people will say, hmm, I didn't know that hymn. That's why I didn't sing. But the Bible says, and God says, sing unto me a new song. And how are we going to ever learn it if we don't keep trying? We may sing a new hymn here sometime, and we think, ooh, we don't know that. But the choir leads us, and we'll try it on the second verse maybe, and by the fourth verse, we pretty much have it sometimes, sometimes, and then we'll wait a few months, and we'll sing it again. And eventually we'll get it. And then some people might say, well, I don't like those hymns we sing. But God says, we aren't singing them for us. Who are we singing our music for? God, exactly right. So the point I'm trying to make is any time that you can sing or you play piano or maybe you draw or maybe just real good at something, use that talent as much as you can. But always remember to thank who for that talent? God, and always share it. Will you remember that? And I can't wait. Some of you are going to sing again for us in just a little bit. And you're going to make, you watch. We'll just all smile. We just get the biggest smiles on our faces when you all sing because you're singing from the heart. And that's what we're supposed to do. Now, after we have our prayer, I'm going to give each one of you a book. Is there anything special coming up in the month of October? Well, you all dress up and Halloween, exactly right. And I brought each of you a Halloween book. And in this book, for the younger children, ma'am. Okay, that's, that's wonderful. Um, for the younger children, we have stickers and pages to color. And for the older children, we have stickers and pages to color, but we have word searches and um, recipes and other little things that I hope you enjoy. So you stick around after we have our prayer, and I'll give each one of you one. And Miss Katie, you might want to help me a little bit, okay? All right, let's bow your heads and repeat after me, please. Thank you, God. For any talent that you give us, may we always thank you and share our talent for you. In Jesus' name, amen.
first scripture lesson is from Luke chapter 10 verses 25 through 28. In this passage, an expert in the law of God questions Jesus, but he's not really looking for information. He's looking to enable himself to accuse Jesus. Both Jesus and the lawyer illustrate their insight in this passage and of the law and knowledge that God's will is the way to life. This passage starts on page 1612 of your pew Bible. It's the parable of the Good Samaritan. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
I like to think about all the people that Don has played with in his life and our kids here at Memorial as well. Appreciate you, Cindy and Don, for their, uh, your leadership. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we pray to you because we know that you are listening to our great joys, to our bitter anger, to our grabby desperation, to our willingness to serve. And as we experience all those emotions, we ask that you help us to share them with passion in our prayer to you. Help us to make um, this service meaningful in declaring your word, but also to reach out to you during this week and in the weeks to come as we attempt to proclaim your name. Inspire us, Lord, as we pray the prayer your son taught his disciples. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. It's now time we'll take up our tithes and other offerings. And if you'll pass the attendance register uh, down your aisle, please.
Children, you may now go with Miss Beth to the library if you like. Congregation, if you'll remain standing for our uh, next hymn, Be Thou My Vision. Please be seated. With your permission, uh, I'm going to move ahead in what I'm doing uh, with the sermon and just tell you about Exodus uh, to make sure we, uh, I want to honor your time. First quote of the day from the book that we're reading is from Passionate Worship. It's chapter 2 from the book Five Practices of Fruitful Congregations. It's a book written by Bishop Robert Snazy, a United Methodist Bishop from the Midwest. He said, if you're doing these five things, regardless of your size, you are a vital church in the community. This week we're talking about passionate worship. First quote of the day is, Worship was the reason given repeatedly for why God liberated the Hebrew people from slavery in Egypt. Let my people go so that they may worship me. It's from Exodus chapter 1. Bishop Snazy says, Worship defines God's people. So why were they in slavery? Because a long time before that, Joseph helped the Pharaoh interpret a dream that there was a drought and that they needed to preserve food. That brought his brothers looking for food. That brought their people there. And then they grew and they grew and they grew and they grew to the point that the Egyptians said, there's too many of these people. Let's make them slaves for our labor. And uh, worst case scenario, we'll get some nice buildings. Best case scenario, maybe they leave or die. And in slavery, 
They are broken human beings. The people were experiencing every level of hopelessness. Blazing heat, vicious taskmasters, and endless work. Prohibited from worshiping God in any way, with no pay, no freedom, and worst of all, no way out. Their only hope was to call out helplessly to God, saying there is absolutely nothing we can do, and we lean completely on your ability to help us. That's a huge group of people explaining their helplessness. So God, God called upon Moses to come and save the people. Moses was privileged that after he floated down the river in a basket, he was picked up by those very people, taken as their own, treated uh, with uh, all kinds of respect and love and uh, uh, money and treasures, although probably set aside just a little bit, always reminded, but he had everything he needed. But he got upset that there was one of the workers beating one of his people. He murdered him and ran as hard as he possibly could, never to return. Moses was called to go back to those people who were experiencing total hopelessness on behalf of God. The problem is he stuttered. And he didn't want to speak to anybody, much less the Pharaoh, much less the Pharaoh of the people of one of which he had murdered. He has no choice but to call out to God helplessly and say, please give me everything that I need to do this task. Overcome by those odds with that leader and those people, the people of Israel escaped from Egypt to their freedom. They had total devotion to God because they were bound and now they're free. And because Moses was a banished murderer and now he's a leader for God, it's time to worship. They are going to worship like it matters because it really means something to them in that moment. You ever been part of a worship service that really meant something to you in that moment, whatever it may be, whether it be a totally joyous event, whether it be a totally sad event, a seasonal event, September 1st, something just clicked and it really meant something to you. As Adam read, on one occasion an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus and he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And right there is a switch. It's a switch away from, there's nothing I can do, I can only depend on you giving it to me, to what can I do to earn it. I want to earn it myself. Now, y'all can understand that concept if you've ever struggled to accept a great deal of help from someone, money from someone, a job, whatever, where you could not do it. And your only choice was to lean on that person and receive help. So I want you to consider an image. Um, I've been fortunate enough to travel to um, Chicago and St. Louis and Denver and Dallas and Nashville and Atlanta for continuing education. People who are doing really well in a particular place that I want to go and take copious notes and when there's downtime, hopefully go to a baseball game or football game in that major region. Those are my two goals. And in paying attention and you know just oh, writing it all down and trying to get it, there is always something that happens at the end. There's a person who raises their hand and they say, 
don't you think, and then they say something that they've always believed. Their hope being that the leader, the expert in this field, will affirm the thing that they already believed before they walked in the door publicly. Have you all ever seen a person do that? You ever seen what the expert does with that person? I think it's kind of funny when they go after them and say, what? Uh, well, no. Mm -mm. We said, well, I, you know, I've always thought, and of course this person's thought about it for about five minutes, or they've been in their career for two years, or they've seen uh, one particular sample set, and this expert has traveled everywhere. They've gathered research for five, ten years. And they have told us everything they can tell us. But this person wants, this uh, participant, wants what they already know to be affirmed. So this leader, this um, uh, religious expert, expert of the law, I'm sorry, says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Either to get his opinion affirmed or to make Jesus make a mistake publicly, and every mistake you get, you know, we're in this race for president, every mistake you can get on the record diminishes that person's ability to lead. I think what's more frightening, though, is that it has transitioned to doing. Not the people of Egypt, in Egypt, who said, oh, please just help us, to, I've already got this, God, you, you know, I, I can handle this. What can I do? What has anyone else done, really? I don't know that they're doing as well as I'm doing it. And the other transition is away from getting something done in this life and towards, I want eternal life. So there are religious institutions that make a great deal of money preying upon people who think that they must do something in order to gain eternal life. And this person is a great example of that mindset. Jesus almost never answers the question directly. He either asks them a question back or tells a parable that reshuffles the, uh, the, um, the uh, question altogether. Jesus says, well, what's written in the law? How do you read it? Turning it right back to him. And, uh, you know, if you look at your Bible... Some people just, you know, you're just not thinking about it. You got the New Testament. It didn't exist. It didn't have this. This was written way after. And so the book that Jesus used, the Bible that Jesus used is this. And the people that were around Him. And so you have the law. And you have the Psalms. You have the people expressing deep emotions of joy, anger, desperation, willingness... And then you have totally complicated, intricate law that's hard to understand in a society in which many people can't read. Jesus is trying to change his question back. Here's your second quote of the day. People are searching for worship that is authentic, alive, creative, comprehensible, where they experience the life-changing presence of God in the presence of God of others. So, I've chased what people want in worship for nearly a decade. I've been in ministry for 15 years, but the first five, I didn't even know what I didn't know. I was just showing up and talking about the text that was in front of me. 
And then after a time, I started to think, what can I do to make worship the best it can possibly be for people? And then you got to ask, wait now, are we talking about people who are present in the church? Or are we talking about people who aren't in the church? And we're talking about traditional worship or are we talking about contemporary worship? Because those are four entirely different factors. If you're talking about traditional worship, traditional worship is like Thanksgiving dinner. You have turkey, you have stuffing, you have uh, green beans, you have, help me here, cranberry, here we go, mac and cheese, apple pie, that's what we do. That's what we do when we gather and we like it. Sweet potato souffle. Sweet potato souffle. Sure. It's what we do and we like it and don't change it. And guess what? We don't have to. Because it is, this is what this is and it's tremendous. Guess what contemporary worship is? Where do y'all want to eat today? That's what contemporary worship is. Where would y'all like to eat today? Uh, I don't know. Okay, let's say we pick a place. What do y'all want to eat? I don't know. That's all, and I've dealt with, contemporary worship has come along in a big way in my lifetime. And I've been at two so drastically different places in a new church started in elementary school and as an associate in an enormous church in Greenville. And in both places, my desire for the perfection and total execution of worship rose dramatically. And as it rose, the ability to pull off the perfect service does not rise. You can do your best. Mine's color-coded. It's color-coded. I love color-coded and folders. I mark off the bulletin so that I don't jump ahead and stay in my lane. We talk about what we're going to do. We write about what we're going to do. We pray about what we're going to do. And for the first four years in that new church start when I thought no one's going to think we're real unless we're perfect, I just got to a really dark place whenever anything would go wrong. And then I went to Buncombe Street, and that's such a, uh, it has such a long history. It has so many professionals who excel in so many ways. I thought, God, everything, now I'm really holding on, making sure everything's perfect. And that's all I was focused on. And if I could express physically what I thought in my mind in some of those services, I would take this folder and just throw it across the room because I was so violently angry over what had happened. That's how dark I got. Does the scripture say anything about that? What did Mr. Marjorie say? We've been saying... We're going to sing like it matters. We're going to sing because we're grateful. See, if it's because we are doing, and it's because we are perfect, neither will work out. And we'll get real frustrated. If it's because I'm saying to you, we're not going to make a single mistake, and everything we do is going to be totally professionally done in both services, then it's going to be tough. But if I say to you, we're going to come together and we're going to celebrate. We're going to celebrate what God has already done in our lives prior to this day and what God is going to do in our lives in the, day to come, in the days to come. And I'm saying this to you like um, therapy. I'm in recovery. 
from being a doing perfectionist. That's a fact. So here's what the scripture said. This is what Adam read. He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. So here's your last quote of the day. In worship, people practice the highest command Jesus has taught us. To do and to be perfect, right? Isn't that the command Jesus taught us? Nope. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. What if a child asks a grandparent, what do I need to do in order for you to love me? What's the grandparent going to say? Are you insane? Here's a cookie. You want two cookies? Here's two cookies. You want a cookie for your pocket? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. And in gratitude of the way in which God has loved you, love your neighbor. So I made, I tried to make a transition on the way up 29 coming up here. And I'm telling you that I'm going to be working on it. And I'm telling you that I want you to come to worship to celebrate with me in either service that we're in for what God has already done. Consider um, this week how you're grateful for things that you haven't done in nature, in your family, in your workplace, in your church. And I want you to bring that gratitude with you each time you come to worship. Amen. If you'll stand as you are able for our last hymn, Here I Am, Lord, number 593.
Go in peace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and power and presence of the Holy Spirit go with you all. Amen.